The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we are joined by the AMA's outgoing president, Dr. Gerald Harmon, a family medicine specialist in Pauley's Island, South Carolina, is going to share his reflections and learnings from a presidency that continued to be shaped by a very unpredictable pandemic. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Harmon, it's hard to believe that almost a year ago today, you stepped into your presidency and also kicked off the very first video in our Moving Medicine series. I hope uh, it was a very hopeful time in the pandemic uh, with vaccines just beginning to take hold and we hadn't yet experienced the impact of variants and subvariants, which made uh, the year much more challenging than anyone could have ever predicted. So why don't we start by looking back? What do you think was your biggest learning from the past year? Gee, I learned so much, Todd. I'm still learning even today, but I would tell you, I learned that despite a pandemic, despite a pandemic of the virus, but we had this pandemic. We also had a pandemic of misinformation or disinformation and distrust of public health officials and government. And that, that was a real surprise to me. I, I really was disturbed and disappointed in that. But I did find that most patients, even though they might distrust government, they might distrust public health uh, professionals and agencies, they do trust their doctor. They trust their trusted uh, health advisory. Maybe a doctor, maybe a community nurse, maybe a pharmacist, but they do, they have someone they trust. It, it's interesting. So uh, it, I learned that and it, it applies not only to the patients, but actually to the local governments and the agencies. Uh, agencies, of course, would have to follow the various, the CDC guidelines or the state agencies, but the local people, the local governments, the local schools and all, we come to a local trusted physician. So our, uh, our uh, point and the AMA's point of being that trusted source of, of valuable peer reviewed, honest, information was really reinforced. So I was, uh, I was impressed with that. You've been a very steady and strong voice for both our nation's physicians and their patients over the last year. I'm curious, given what you just talked about, especially the misinformation and disinformation, which is something you've really addressed over the years, is there anything else that you have found to be kind of personally challenging? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I will tell you that even though people trust me and trust their local doctors, it was a little bit disappointing to me and it was really emotionally stressful for a lot of us to see folks who didn't follow our advice, that didn't follow the advice of the overwhelming medical community and didn't get vaccinated or didn't practice public health measures. And it was difficult to see them die when I think the evidence clearly indicated they didn't have to get that sick and they didn't have to wind up in the ICU and the ventilators. And they really didn't have to die with a, they would have had a much greater chance of survival if they had listened to some of those trusted advisors. I'll tell you what's also been a challenge for me and a, a bit of a disappointment. Even though over 96% of doctors said, I'll get whatever shot you make available. They said, give me, the, they were among the front lines and, and the first uh, vaccine recipients for the COVID-19 vaccine. There's still a, um, a small, but very vocal, uh, very influential number of physicians and healthcare professionals uh, putting out misinformation. They were taking their message beyond just a trusted physician-patient relationship. They were taking it to social media, to uh, meetings, sometimes I believe for, uh, I suspect for, you know, uh, fame, fortune, 
economically and they were putting out disinformation that risked the health of, of their of millions of patients. I was really disappointed in that. That was a challenge that I, even now we're trying to overcome. Well, despite the challenges that you mentioned and many others, you led the AMA through a lot of successes over the past year. It's hard to pick, but if you were to talk about the one or the ones that you're most proud of, what would, what would those be? You know, I would tell you, the thing I'm most proud of about the AMA and about my opportunity to be the president of the AMA is that in, in the face of misinformation uh, and the face of a pandemic of distrust and the face of uh, hesitancy with vaccines, uh, uh, with uh, masking precautions, public health precautions, and some hesitation in taking the offered uh, evidence of treatments, of appropriate monoclonal antibodies, appropriate antibodies, virals, when we gave steroids, when we gave oxygen, all the things that we know from the evidence was effective. Uh, what we did at the AMA was, in or order to overcome that hesitancy, was to continually and universally and consistently maintain overwhelming competence. You've heard me say that before. People have heard me say that in talks. I put that on my presentation. The way to overcome resistance, organizational and community resistance, is to continually be the mainstream overwhelmingly competent and give accurate information, reliable information, and be trustworthy. We've done that, and I, I think I'm, I'm real proud of that. Well, you're ending your presidency with a pivot to recovery, and I've uh, used the platform provided by the AMA's first in-person meeting in more than two years to kick off something called the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians. Tell us a little bit more about this idea and why it's so important to work on healing and supporting our nation's physicians at this moment. Todd, one of the things we've learned in the pandemic was what we already knew before the pandemic. We need doctors. America needs doctors. We have a growing population. We have a growing burden of chronic disease. We have growing public health issues. We already had projections of physician shortages before we had the COVID pandemic and now Two years into it, we have evidence that as many as 20% of America's doctors indicate they're going to not only reduce their uh, uh, opportunities to practice, they're going to quit. They're going to retire, stop practicing medicine in the next 24 months, and another 20% are going to substantially reduce uh, their patient care opportunities or their workload. So that's that's a real threat. We need to figure this out. We we need to come up with ways to uh, expand healthcare for America. And, and, and quality with physician-led healthcare versus just having so many be overwhelmed, be burdened, be uh, burned out. So we really need to take the opportunity with our recovery plan that we're going to unveil uh, at the AMA meeting soon, or we'll be unveiling. It, it basically looks at how to to take the current lessons of the uh, pandemic, the other uh, uh, glide paths that we knew were coming, and, and, and take some issues that will improve the physician workforce. You know, physicians are important, but they're a finite resource. We've got to take care. We've got to feed and water America's physicians, so to speak, and not just take them for granted as part of the infrastructure. We want to improve digital health. We want to improve the Medicare payment reform system, which is critically uh, underfunded and, and really a critical cause of uh, economic disruption for practices. We want to reduce the burdens of uh, uh, to caring uh, patients, such as prior authorization. Remember that continual dirty word we've actually seen recently with the Medicare Advantage plans have been held to task about using prior authorization restrictions as a way to enhance their coffers without improving care. We want to 
we want to have doctors be the healthcare team leaders. We know we need to have team-based healthcare, but doctors need to be in charge of that healthcare. It, it, you just can't say, well, we don't have enough pilots, so let's put nine pilots in the cockpit. No, you got to have physicians, qualified physicians leading the team. And we want to improve the diversity of the physician workforce, improve health equity, and reduce physician burnout, uh, give opportunities for our graduating medical students to expand the physician workforce, improving GME. And we want to reduce the stigma around mental health so when doctors are stressed, when they're having burned out issues and other healthcare workers, they can seek medical care, appropriately care, keep themselves in the game, help improve their uh, behavioral health issues and not lose them to the Medicine doesn't stand still. And at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. A big bite of the apple, but we're going to have to do it. And I think AMA now has got the resources. We've got the energy, enthusiasm, and the receptive audience to make this happen. So it is, it's an ambitious plan and, and very much needed, as you pointed out. A lot of these problems... Uh, we had, uh, to a certain extent, going into the pandemic, only revealed to be even worse during that. But you know, the ones that you outline, everything from expanding and supporting telehealth, uh, reforming uh, Medicare payment, stopping, uh, you know, inappropriate scope of practice expansion, prior auth, which is of course uh, a huge issue and continues to be a big patient care issue, and then addressing what has been uh, really exacerbated by the pandemic, which is this issue. Uh, physician burnout and and uh, really looking at wellness uh, uh, for our uh, physician force. Are are there uh, other huge opportunities that you see for the AMA in the coming year, um, and for yourself as a leader in medicine? Well, I think what we really need to do, and when we talk about all these things for a recovery plan. Embedded in it is what you kind of summarize. Let's take care of these burned out doctors. You know, most recently, unfortunately, we've had not only the economic woes, we've had the practice barriers, we've had the educational woes, we've had uh, prior authorization barriers to practicing medicine, we've had different, the need for Medicare payment reform. Now we're having some uh, not only um, intimidation and our aggression against physicians, now we've had some real physical violence, some gun violence in the workplace. You know, physicians are already trying to take care of the other victims of healthcare violence, of gun violence. The other, uh, the physicians are trying to take care of the folks who are getting sick from COVID and the chronic diseases. And then, if you put the uh, the problem of attacking physicians into that, no wonder physicians are stressed. No wonder these young doctors are concerned about. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that you have to worry about your own security, your own personal safety before you can feel comfortable giving uh, care to a, a, an injured patient. So this is. Yeah, the AMA has got a lot on its plate right now, but we need to take this opportunity in today's time to make a difference. And I think uh, at the same time, as much as we want this pandemic to be over, uh, it seems to be uh, other nature, it seems to throw us continuous curveballs uh, and we have to stay, stay prepared for this and whatever, uh, whatever else we might face. How, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we do, you know, we, we have to be careful. And I use the analogy that we're, we're in a, a race against the pandemic and the pandemic for a long time was ahead of us and then we kind of caught up with it when we had vaccines and some treatments 
And I was hoping to put it literally in our rearview mirror and figuratively in our rearview mirror so we can say, all right, post-pandemic, let's do this. But we're not post-pandemic. It's not yet in a rearview mirror. Every time we think we've got it, it comes up with an accelerant and it comes up with a, a sub-variant. We had Delta, then we had Omicron, and it has ways to work around because this is a viral uh, replicating type, uh, self-replicating type agent. It is serious. It is not just your standard germ. It is a pandemic. And our technology has had to develop. Our science has evolved. And that's been frustrating to a lot of the, the non-scientists. And they say, well, why can't y'all make up your mind whether this treatment is going to do it or this vaccine is going to work? It's because it's science. We, it, it evolved. The data tells us and it drives our decision making. We believe in the science, not just the anecdotes and our, the, uh, 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 the standard small ends. We try to do the right thing. So, yeah, we're... Uh, we're going to be living in a pandemic age. We're going to protect ourselves not only against the current pandemic, but there'll be another one. So the steps we take today, the preparatory steps, the learning we make, uh, the learning we have uh, that has occurred, we make that the future so that we memorialize some of the things that we've done, such as the uh, Operation Warp Speed. I, I talked about a, a speech of the National Press Club. This is one of the, the greatest uh, successes of the 21st century, this Warp Speed, developing this vaccine and deploying it with all the safety hurdles being met. That was an incredible operational success. So that's what we've learned. We can rapidly deploy when we get rid of the, the, the red tape and move forward with the science. We can do things like that. So, yeah, we're, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. We can't let off the gas. I want to put it in the rearview mirror. And I'm confident we can eventually get there as we learn more about the virus. You know, I mentioned up front that you were the first moving medicine video and podcast guest, I think, our thought at the time was that we would be kind of transitioning into that and away from our COVID-19 update. Obviously, other things happened. Um, but uh, in that particular first episode, one of the things that you talked about was uh, this idea that physicians and residents and students need to, quote, act worthy of yourselves. This was the, the term you used. You know, on reflection a year later, you know, has the meaning of that phrase taken on new meaning to you? Uh, uh, you know, what do you want both seasoned physicians and those just entering the professions to take away from this message? Well, that's a good point. You know, physicians, practicing doctors, those in training programs, medical students, uh, they have a special gift. It allows them the opportunity to enter one of the most trusted, valued professions in all of human history. They're remarkably well positioned to have a positive impact on society and civilization as a whole. So all of us, and I tell you, every doctor, every doctor in training, every medical student takes this seriously. And they do strive mightily to, uh, to attain that effort where we make a difference on society and civilization. And uh, I, I want all of my colleagues in the medical profession to understand that I, re I understand that. I respect the, the pressures we put on ourselves. We, we, we're achievement oriented. We're all uh, high achievers. That's how we got to where we were. We have a gift and from our creator. And I think we all strive to act worthy to, 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 to serve well. We need to be a little careful that we don't set such a high bar that anything short of perfection then makes us have self-doubt, makes us have burnout. That's why we have to balance what we're doing. And part of acting worthy is to keep yourself whole, to keep yourself in the fight so that you're part of the solution as opposed to becoming one of the injured and, and become part of the problem. So Keep our workforce healthy. Uh, I did quote uh, uh, Major General Warren of uh, Revolutionary War fame, who said, we need to act worthy of ourselves because millions of unborn Americans are still 
uh, will be affected by our actions of today and uh, of coming days. So I think that's important. Well, uh, as we, uh, as your term comes to an end, and as we push for a recovery plan for America's physicians, uh, I just want to say to you that it's been uh, an amazing privilege to have had the chance to work with you over the past year. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Herman. The, the, the challenge coin that you gave me earlier in the year has been one of the most meaningful uh, memories of this past year. I keep that close by just to remind me of the work that we're doing. Uh, thanks again for everything. Uh, we know you'll continue to be a strong voice for the AMA and our nation's physicians. And while this might be our last episode of your presidency, it certainly won't be the last time uh, we have a conversation here on Moving Medicine, which I'll look forward to again. We'll be back soon with another Moving Medicine video and podcast. And make sure to check out all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today, and please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.